0: tired of asking why welcome to the unresolved life podcast where we are answering life's most difficult questions now here's your host Teresa blaze
1: welcome to the unresolved life podcast i'm Teresa blaze and today i got mr robert griswold from ready made resources on the line he's been on a few different podcasts and i just thought He would be a good conversation starter. Robert, welcome to the show.
0: It is good to be here, first time, and um, I look forward to where this interview goes. We just, um, you know, for people listening, you know, we prayed before we got on here. We asked the Lord to guide this this afternoon, and um, we trust he will, that the message he wants to get out to the body, to the remnant, to those that hear his voice, uh, we can get it out faithfully.
1: Amen. You know, that's one thing I can honestly say is I've prayed before every single episode that i have released why because i believe in the power of prayer and i know for you atheists you might want to pick yourself back up off the floor i actually believe i get that but robert let's let's start with your story how did you get in i mean because that's you know because someone's like what you're a resources company what one of you uh the tinfoil hat kind of guys how did you get into this
0: well, um, uh, just to back up a bit, just to th- on your thing on prayer, and I'll, I'll get to that in just a second. But you know, my wife and I have prayed together 32 years of marriage, and I'm, I'm, I tell you, it is the key if you want a successful marriage is to pray together with your wife. When you pray together, you can't harbor bitterness, you can't harbor the things, the division in a marriage. My wife and I, after 32 years, she is still the love of my life, and I attribute that to the fact. That we commit our marriage to God, and He gives us a biblical view of each other. I still see her as that sweet young girl I married, and I hopefully she sees me <laughs> as the, the uh, you know the 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 guy she married when it was a long time ago. But you know, I just want to encourage people that that's where the relationship begins, is through our Father in heaven, and that we as we seek Him, He brings divine blessing on us. And and so, with that said, I, I just wanted to say that because you kind of you kind of brought that to my forefront when you, when you said what you you did about prayer.
1: You talk about marriage and that's one of the pillars that people are sitting there going, well, that's great for you. you got a wonderful marriage. Mine's in the toilet here.
0: You know, and I understand that. And I, I know a lot of people have been through bad marriages. I was married once before a long, long time ago. And I understand that. But even in that marriage, I know that God called me to be faithful to his word and, and I had to be, and it was very, very difficult to be there, but I was faithful in it. And um, eventually my, my wife decided she wanted to go somewhere else, and she did. And so there's heartache in that, and I understand it. There's healing in it if we commit ourselves to God. The, the, the ultimate thing is is that you know if we are serving the Lord and we are hearing his voice and following his footsteps, he will bring good things to pass. The scripture says, be not weary in doing what is right for if you do, you will receive blessing in due season. Um, That's twice in the scripture. And so I would just encourage people with that, that as we see a lot of things going on around us, if we do right, if we do not conform to the pattern of this world,
1: we'll be transformed by the renewing of our mind.
0: That's right. We will receive the blessing in his timing. It will happen. So um, just to encourage people with that, but th- my story is basically, you know, I have had a very unique life. I uh, I actually grew up on a Navy SEAL base, Little Creek, Virginia, uh, Little Creek Amphibious Base. My uh, I had I was in the Boy Scouts there, and uh, my Boy Scout masters were Navy SEALs or Force Recon Marines, and so I, I grew up with a very a, guy, a group of guys around me that just emphasized. That I was to do it myself, that I was not to rely on other people, and that, you know, I'm responsible for the outcome of my situation. Now, again, now that I have my Christian knowledge of that, I still agree with most of it, but I, even, even as a Christian, you know, God commands me to do something. You know, one of the greatest acts of faith in the Bible, I think, could be arguably the building of the ark. You Noah know, had to, that thing for 100 years, and yet the greatest act of faith also took the greatest human effort. I mean, I just think of the logistics of putting that ark together, making sure there was food on it for the animals, arranging the habitat for the animals, all that he had to do. It was a tremendous human effort. So, you know, I think we see that marriage between faith and works played out so well in the building of the ark. The same thing with Joseph. Think of the logistics of building silos all throughout Egypt to house grain, seven years worth of grain. Uh, It had to be protected, so he had to have some type of guards to protect the grain. He had to have some type of sort of economic system set up that when grain was needed, he could disperse it and and be compensated. Both of those acts of what you would call prepping or, you know, looking, looking, seeing the future does not look very promising and and setting aside what uh, the necessities of life. Both times, it took a great human effort. Both times, it were great acts of faith. So I think that's a pattern for us today, and I think that's the, the pattern the Lord has laid on my heart to encourage God's people as we see a world and civilization, and it's just not America. It is the world. I've traveled the world. I've been in over 40 countries. Uh, I've been throughout the Middle East, North Africa, Asia, Europe, um, so I, I, I've seen it. it. It's There's a global thing going on, a global rebellion towards God and his commandments, and, and that will precipitate judgment on us. I mean, in our country alone, we have murdered 60 million children. That is a staggering figure. Um, Marriage has been is is mocked and destroyed a biblical marriage between a man and a woman. You know, in this country today, only 30% of young men are raised in the house with their biological father. No nation can survive that. You look in the African American community, what fatherless is, fatherlessness has done there, and it is horrible what it has done. And and as what you consider, you know, European-based people are doing, you know, their marriages are breaking down and children. We see the exact same results. It's not a racial thing; it's a biblical thing. As fathers abandon their families, we see this this these, these young people without any mentors growing up gang-like and and just having lives that are just filled with debauchery and violence. We will not survive that as a nation. And, and I know this is a, a, lot, a lot different than what you'll hear in the pulpit on Sunday morning where everything's rosy and, you know, God promises all this stuff. But if you read the scripture, if you read history, I can only come to one conclusion, and that is that our nation is under severe judgment and it is going to get worse. That's why I founded Ready-Made Resources.
1: I grew up in a home that was very broken. For most of my life, it was my mom as a single parent. But when I did have a dad, quote unquote, uh, it was one of her, it was it was a boyfriend. And, you know, there were a cases of abuse. In one case, the boyfriend murdered, murdered my sister.
0: Family is the basic of civilization. Every aspect of civilization is based on the family. That's the way God wanted it. We are basically tribal creatures. He made us that way, the tribes of, of Israel that we, we have an affinity towards family. It gives us a sense of security, of belong that we belong. And when that is destroyed, we are destroyed. Our communities are destroyed. Our states are destroyed. Our, our national government is destroyed. We see today this immense burden financially just on the welfare system because of homeless, single mothers, divorces happened or they've not been married. They have to go on welfare. And the tremendous burden it places just on the economic system of our country. Whereas, if if you know we were following a biblical pattern, that wouldn't be there. Um, to a large extent, it wouldn't be there. There's always there's always cases where there's a, a death, a tragic death, or something. But largely, that wouldn't be there. The fact that we have 60 million citizens that have been you know exterminated before they were born, just the financial cost of that that those taxpayers are not there to to pull up the burden. It's incalculable. So what do we have to do? We have to open our borders to people who do not hold to our religion or culture or language and and bring them in so they can become taxpayers. And then it fundamentally changes our nation. These are the things that I see coming down the road as a Christian that we better prepare for. I think that they're going to be as great a change as the basically what happened in Noah's day, what happened in Joseph's day. And we better not go down the primrose path thinking everything's going to be fine because we heard some minister on TV promise us everything if we just, whatever, mail the money or whatever we do.
1: Didn't even Jesus talk about it? Because if you recall, didn't the disciples were looking at the temple and they were like all, you know, stoked about, hey, Lord, look at this temple. It looks really cool. And he's like, yeah, boys, uh, you see this temple? Give it a few years and it's going to be gone to
0: be gone. And, and he actually told them, when you see these things happen, flee. He basically said, when you see them happen, do get out of town, uh, you know, save your life. Um, and, and today, you know, you, there, that might be required of people because the cities will be the first places that are affected. And we see it now that, that law and order in, in cities are breaking down. We have parts of cities the police won't even go to. We look at it, our money has been completely devalued from what it was just a generation ago. You just have to go back and compare prices, what they were in the 70s to what they were now, or even go back further to what they were in our parents' generation. You can see how the dollar has been devalued. We don't have anything back it anymore. The marriage has been destroyed in this country. Anybody can get married. Again, the thing with children... We see an epidemic of opiates in this country. We see an epidemic of benzodiazepine drugs. Those are the ones that you take for, you know, nerve pills, whatever you want to call them, that alter your mood. ADHD, Those, all those things are benzodiazepine-type drugs. And these drugs have catastrophic effects on people. One in every five Americans, has their brain is chemically altered due to modern pharmaceuticals.
1: You know, um, you talk about the opioid epidemic, and that one that one really, really strikes home. Uh, my mom, she had broken her neck and her back twice, and so she was in chronic pain. Rather than possibly fix the problem because she had epileptic seizures, you know, rather than possibly fix the problem, which is what the doctors wanted to do, they wanted to do a surgery to try and fix uh, some some problems. They just threw her on these, on these pain medications, and I got a call at uh, 4 a.m. one day, and it was from my dad, from the man that I call my dad now, and he told me that she was gone. And whether she suicided or she overdosed, I don't know to this day.
0: You know, and this was done intentionally. The opiate addiction in this country was done by the pharmaceutical company intentionally. They knew what these drugs were. They knew how addictive they are, and they kept prescribing them. Now, if a person is in chronic pain and they're in the end of life, that's one thing. I don't want a person to suffer. And, and again, if somebody finds themselves addicted to these drugs, I, I have no words of condemnation towards them. I have words of encouragement that there's a way out. You know, Christ, Jesus can, can deliver you. Now, that might take human intervention as well. But there's ways out of these things. And I would suggest you follow them to get, get off of that. But the fact is, is our nation is swirling down in every level of depravity that we can have. It's swirling down. Pornography is now being declared a national security issue that we have young men and women that are viewing this stuff. It's not your grandfather's porn that used to be. It's absolutely debased, base, gross, disgusting things that that are that are just easily accessible with a keyboard.
1: Wait, Which- Wait, 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 wait. Pornography is being declared a national security issue?
0: Seven states now have declared it a national security issue. They realize what it does to children that view it, it warps their view of human sexuality permanently. I'm not going to go into the details, but it's not normal human sexuality. I read the article, and it involves multiple people and things like that nature. Enough said. I'm not going to talk about the works of darkness too much. But when children view this, it changes their view of human sexuality on a permanent basis. It's hard to recover them from it. Our kids are viewing this and it's so easy to access it. Any child with a cell phone can access it. I know with our family, you know, our son, we have a mirroring program on his cell phone and we have a program called Covenant Eyes on his cell phone. So if he tries to go to one of those sites, um, we are alerted to it. It'll block it. And then everything he texts out of his phone, it mirrors back to us. Kids might not like it. But I'd rather have my kid not like it and protect him than not protect him and you know like me. Um,
1: well, some some might say, "Oh, come on! Why why are you being so authoritarian?" Because
0: I know what that'll do to him. Pornography is extremely addictive, and it'll warp his sense of marriage in the future. That when he gets married, you know, one woman will not be enough because he has viewed things that just absolutely change the way he thinks about human sexuality once that's happened it's hard to, to get them back from it and so I'd rather protect him from it and be maybe what you might call authoritarian I don't call it I call it parenting
1: oh no no I mean I'm not
0: I- saying well, I'm just saying you as in as in the general public might call it authoritarian but I call it parenting that I that is my job that's why God commissioned me to be the protector of my family and that's one way I'll protect them but back to your question as far as ready-made resources, the company, I do believe we have passed the Rubicon, that we have gone that the place that we are going to see an economic crash in this country. Just this year alone, we're going to spend a trillion more in debt. That cannot continue. Back during the Great Depression of the 1920s, we were a monolithic society. We had basically the same religion, the same language, the same culture, the same heritage. When another Great Depression hits us, we have been so fractured by divisions in every aspect of our life we don't have the same language we don't have the same religion we don't have the same culture anymore we are we've been fractured along those lines and so when another great depression hits i think the propensity for violence is going to be extreme we already see groups calling for it i mean large groups on tv that have called for violence against other groups of people the only thing that's holding it together is the fact that there's enough dollars to go around right now but when that stops I've seen in my travels what happens to nations that have these things go on, and it, it's very, it's not very pretty. Uh,
1: so let's, let's go back to when you grew up. You said you grew up on a Navy SEAL base. Yes. How did you come from a Navy SEAL base to being an outspoken Christian and running a prepper company?
0: Well, again, I, you know, I, I was raised, I didn't know it back then, you know, even back then, I always wanted to have extra things stored because it's just the way I was raised. I mean, these, these men that, that I was surrounded about were very independent, you know, well-trained people that didn't wait on others. They took care of it themselves. They were, I guess you could call them leaders. And I know I was very blessed to have these men in my life. I mean, they pushed me hard, very hard, but I'm glad they did. I remember one time we were on a Boy Scout hike on the beach. We had to hike seven miles down to the Bay Bridge Tunnel and seven miles back. I thought I was going to die, literally. I thought I was going to die. They pushed us, and I didn't give up. And when I finished, I had a sense of accomplishment. That one thing has never left me, the fact that I accomplished that, and other people quit. That's the kind of people I was around growing up. And it, I think it had a very good impression on me. Then I was a general contractor in Florida. I was building big old houses for people. and But I was even then had, you know, rations and stuff in my home. And I remember the time this big hurricane came through and I had all these stuff and people started asking me, well, what did you get that? How'd you do this? I started ready-made resources back then in 1995. And it's grown to be, a, we do international now. We supply a lot of products that people would need in an emergency, whether it's small or large, we have the, the products there because we all see these things. I mean, like New Orleans after that hurricane, just the people don't have anything and they're desperate. They'll do anything to get the basic necessities of life. Well, for me, a wise man would see that and, and make provision for it. That's my thinking. I mean, that, I think that is faith. I say, one of the things I say is that faith builds arcs. Faith builds silos. You know, people say, "I'll just have faith that God will provide." But Noah didn't do that. Joseph didn't do that.
1: What about what about David and Solomon? I mean, when David said, "Hey, God, I want to build you," you're stuck out there in that tent, and I want to build you a temple. And God tells David to get all the stuff together and tells Solomon to build it.
0: Exactly. So faith always has action. This thing today in America that faith is just some kind of ethereal thing that we just hope that you know magic gold dust falls on our head. That's not faith according to historic Christianity. It's, it's not. Faith has action. And so as a firm believer that our nation is facing catastrophic judgment, I believe that families should be putting food stores aside and you know the ability to filter water and other things aside. Uh, being able to protect your family from violence, I think is a very important thing. And, and and other things that go along with it. I mean, they can go to my website and, and look and see what we sell. We, we actually have over 5,000 products on there. But I think it's incumbent upon the head of every household to make sure those things are taken care of. Because when deprivation happens, we will go into denial of what people will do. But I've seen it. I've been in countries where people offered me their children for a little bit of money. Parents offered me their children for a little bit of money so they could feed the rest of their family. Now, I can tell you that will happen here. In fact, I read a statistic recently that 2 million children in this country daily sell themselves for basic necessities.
1: Wait, what? Here, here in America?
0: 2 million children a day, to some degree, sell themselves for basic necessities. The United States, United, United States has become one of the largest sex trafficking nations on the planet.
1: Wait a minute, wait a minute. Someone would push back on that. That doesn't happen here in America.
0: It happens every day in America. I had a gentleman, a friend of mine that works with the Federal Bureau of Investigation, tell me that they could investigate prepubescent child pornography and trafficking prepubescent, and it would take the full resources of the FBI, and they wouldn't make a dent in it.
1: Unbelievable. Unbelievable.
0: It goes on in our administration. I mean, you know, just read what goes on in maybe those previous administrations. Read how the Clintons were down in Jerry Epstein's, you know, sex island where they were trafficking young girls down there i mean it's all on the news you can see it if you want to see it
1: that's a big that's i think i think you just hit it right on the word if you want to see it because a lot of people are going to sit there and go "You're, you're out of your mind you're just one of them conspiracy theorists come on
0: just go and research it that's all i say you know ronald reagan used to say trust but verify so just do that just verify it you know just read some of the leaks that are coming out when when um Wiener was caught and was texting those um, young girls. Now that's a congressman texting uh, underage girls, pictures of his, you know, privates, you know, he got caught the computer that they, that they confiscated the New York police department confiscated. There was things on that computer that would boggle and it would blow your mind. What was on that computer. And you just go and read the leaks that are coming out about it. It's, you know, it's, it's all there. If you want to find it, it is one of the, the top, um I'm trying to think of his name. He used to be in the, in the top 10, one of the top 10 directors of the FBI wrote a book, The Rich Realistic Abuse of Children in America. Um, what's his name? Mm. But he wrote about it. I, I started reading the book. I got it in manuscript form, started reading it. I couldn't, couldn't read it very far. I had to put it down. Ted, Ted Gunderson. Ted Gunderson. That was, he was, I think he was the director of the uh, Los Angeles Bureau of the FBI. And he wrote that book after he got out. And um, I, I started reading it. I had to put it down. I couldn't read it.
1: Okay, and so, and it's because of these things, I mean, because a lot of people, especially a lot of people within the church, we're not under judgment. I mean, God, God just wants you to, 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 you know, believe in Jesus and, and accept his stuff on, His death on the cross, and you do that, and, and you, you know, we, we escape judgment.
0: You read Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28 has blessings and cursings. If you obey the Lord, these blessings will come upon you. One of them you'll lend to many nations. Today, what do we do? We borrow from many nations. You know, it talks about how our borders will be violated. Our our civilization will be violated. You know, just read Deuteronomy 28. Every one of the curses in Deuteronomy 28 that God says you'll bring upon the nation that forsakes him, we are experiencing in this nation. Everyone. And the blessings that he says are gone. we We have this view of prosperity. The stock market's up all these things we think about, but we're spending a trillion dollars of money we don't have this year, a trillion dollars to do this. If I have a big enough limit on my credit card, I can go out and look, make myself look like I'm the king of the world. But there comes a day when those bills come due and I have to pay them. I mean, we're paying 600 and some billion dollars a year in interest on the national debt. We, we don't even think about these figures anymore. But they are staggering, and no nation that does this has ever survived it. In fact, the nations that devalue the currency, that don't protect the borders, are nations in the terminal spiral of death. And that's what I think the United States is at right now. We're in the terminal spiral of death. Um, and I'm, I love this country. I love it. I don't want to see it happen. I mean, I do not want to see it happen. I think the Constitution we were given was probably one of the best forms of government mankind has ever possessed. It was a wonderful thing we were given, but today we have squandered it. And, you know, our, everything, our, our culture has been destroyed. Our language is being destroyed. Our faith is being destroyed. Everything. We, you know, we have been invaded by a culture of Islam. All you have to do is read the history of it. For 1,400 years, it has a history of conquest, of brutality, of enslavement. They, you know, up to 500 million people have been killed by Islam. You just look what ISIS did in the Middle East, the sex torture of people. What they did to them was horrendous. Well, we've brought that here and, and they are going to, through assimilation, absorb our culture. I mean, they are making eight children per couple and we're not doing that. And just through sheer mathematics, the numbers work out to where they will in 30 years Our culture will be Islamic.
1: Islamic or possibly socialist, uh, uh, communist, liberal.
0: Somewhere a blend in there. You know, people don't realize this, but Adolf Hitler strongly admired Islam. In fact, he had regiments of Islamic soldiers in the the German army because he admired the fact that Islam controlled people so well. Again, you you don't read this, but you just go do the history and check and you'll find out it's true. Um, So he admired Islam. Adolf Hitler admired Islam.
1: Oh wow! <laughs> okay, so let me let me ask you this. I mean, because we pretty much laid out a case uh, to say that America is in trouble, and I and I can agree with a good, some good portions of what you've said. But what is the Christian? First, let's address two p- groups of people. First of all, there's the person that's listening. I'm not a Christian, and I think you're you're a bunch of kooks. Come on, really. What what do you have to say to that? And second, what is the Christian supposed to do? I mean, because honestly, I mean, maybe the person's going, uh, you know, this is there's giants in the land. And I'm a grasshopper. What am I? How am I supposed to change this?
0: Well, changing things and preparing for things are two different things. You might not be able to change anything, but you can um, prepare your family. You know, Patrick Henry. And his give me liberty, or give me death speech, and I recommend everybody read that because that's probably the only thing we know of it, give me liberty, give me death. But in the speech, in the text of the speech, he said, Mr. President, it is natural for man to indulge in the illusions of hope. We are apt to shut our eyes against a painful truth and to listen to the song of the cyrene till she transforms us into beasts. Is this the part of wise men engaged in a great and arduous struggle for liberty? Are we disposed to be of the number who having eyes see not and having ears hear not the things which nearly concern our temporal salvation? For my part, whatever anguish of spirit it may cause, I am willing to know the whole truth and to know the worst of it and to provide for it. That is the text read right out of his give me liberty or give me death speech. And I would say there were there today. It is natural for a man to indulge in the illusion of hope. Um, and to listen to the song of the sirene, so she transforms us into beasts, meaning beasts, unreason, unreasoning creatures. That's what he means by the word. And that's where a lot of the pulpits are today, that everything's fine. That's what we hear from our politicians. Everything is fine. And yet we see America has been fundamentally changed, that marriage is no longer honored for what it is. Even in the Christian church, um, divorce is at a staggering level. Uh, we no longer honor that, um, and God says He hates divorce. Now I understand Paul gave reasons for divorce. He gave them, and sometimes divorce is necessary, if there's abuse and um, you know, or abandonment or adultery, those things. He 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 gave excuse for that, but overall, divorce happens because I just don't like that person anymore. Uh, that's not a biblical reason for divorce. And people might not like me for saying that, but it's not. We have seen our country transformed from a God-fearing republic into a hedonistic society where you just go to Facebook and you see people posting thousands of selfies, pictures of themselves, a narcissistic society. You, you know, it's, it's there right in front of our face. We might not want to face it. You take that and the fact of the abortion, of what God says about unrequited blood, and, and, you know, the fact that entertainment now is our God, that the two, that we saturate ourselves with violence, the movies we watch, the games we play, and that, and that we saturate men in this country, saturate their minds with pornography. I can tell you that the, that equation, if you, could, if you could write a mathematical equation with those as factors, you're going to come up with a predictable result. And the predictable result is going to be in the negative, meaning we're at loss. And so, um, what does the Christian do? What did Noah do? What did Joseph do? When they saw trouble coming, they positioned their family to have resources, stockpiled in their home. We have in this country a on-demand food system. There's only enough food in the in the system for about a day and a half of feeding everybody in this country, and then it's gone. And when the food is gone, people will become we, you can't even imagine the level of violence that people will become. Um, and so my thing is to have food store in the house for every person. They have the ability to filter water if, if, if it became unclean. You know, you can go online. The Russians are hacking our electric system. I mean, those are stories that hit the mainstream. They could turn our electricity off anytime they want. They could turn the welfare system off. They could turn the water off. I mean, it's, it's all there. All you have to do is look. The signs of stress cracks are everywhere. And if you notice stress cracks, as as a former builder, when I saw a stress crack in a column, it would concern me. If I saw it get bigger, it really concerned me. If I saw it in multiple columns, it was really bad. And you see these stress cracks develop and develop and develop, and the building doesn't fall down. But one day, the stress cracks get too big, the weight too much, and the building collapses instantly. And people go, what happened? Well, the signs were all there. They were there, and people ignored them. I think I think we should go back to biblical truth, look at the law of God, look at the righteousness of God, and say, what is God going to do to a nation that does these things? I mean, what did Billy Graham say? If he doesn't judge America, he'll owe Sodom and Gomorrah an apology? And when Billy Graham was in his heyday, he said that. Imagine it today.
1: So, okay, outside of prepping and the physical, making sure we have food, making sure we have water, what in your mind, in order, I mean, do you think that the judgment of God is inevitable or do you believe that we can somehow avoid it?
0: God's mercy is beyond my comprehension. I don't want to say ever that it cannot happen. I don't see any historical precedents for it. Even in, you know, when Jonah preached, they repented for a short term and then they went back to their ways and judgment came. I, I think America. You know, again, if we read the book of Romans, the ch- first chapter it talks about there's a threefold abandonment in there. God gave them over because they denied God as Creator. He gave them over, he gave them over, he gave them over. It says that three times. If you look at the third stage of divine abandonment in Romans one, we are there. We're at that stage. So I think no matter what we do, even if we repent and we turn around as a nation, we're going to face severe hardship. I mean, the debt won't go away because we repent. The the fact that we've murdered 60 million children, that void is not going to go away because we repent. We're going to have to, there's a price to pay, a temporal price to pay for those things. Yes. I mean, if I murder somebody, can I ask God to forgive me? Yes. Will he forgive me? Yes. Paul is an example of that. But do I still have to go to prison? Yes, I do. Just because I've come to Jesus doesn't mean I get off and and the court will say, okay, you murdered three people. No problem. You're a Christian now. No, I still have to pay the price for those murders, even if it's even if it's the death penalty. You know, I have to pay that price. We've done things that I think there are prices to pay for that we're not going to escape from. But God, in his mercy, with his word, reveals these things to us ahead of time so that we can position our families to where it will not nearly affect us. You know, after World War II, there's a book called The Savage Continent. Italy and Germany. Now, Italy and Germany before the war were the most evolved civilizations you can imagine. I mean, the greatest art, literature, science, everything, beauty came out of Italy and Germany. The music, the science, all of it. After after they gave into the doctrine of demons through Adolf Hitler, and they, they followed that path for a decade till they were utterly destroyed, you read stories of husbands in Italy, which is highly Catholic. Husbands sent their wives out to service soldiers for a can of food, parents sent their little girls out to service soldiers for a little bit of food. So I mean, this isn't some third world nation. These, this was Italy and Germany. This happened. If you don't believe me, get the book, The Savage Continent, and read it. It can, it can happen here, and and that's my that's my passion is to say, Christian, if these things are going to happen, if I'm wrong, point out to me, please, point out to me why I'm wrong biblically, historically, point out to me why I'm wrong. But if I'm right, God in his mercy gives us time to get into a position to where we can network with people, where we can put away the the things for our temporal salvation, as Patrick Henry said. And Patrick Henry was a devout Christian man, probably one of the most devout Christians in the original formation of our government, because that's what he said, the things that concern their temporal salvation. Well, these are things that concern our temporal salvation. You know, we have to eat, we have to drink water, we have to protect our family. So I would say for the Christian that's hearing this, if this is resonating with you, to possibly pray and ask the Lord, you know, am I off the wall or am I? is is it true? Should I do these things? And if I should, Lord, what should I do? How should I prepare? You know, I can, people can call me and I can direct them in ways that they can prepare uh, things that they can do. Um, I'm always glad to do that, but that's what I think. And I think my argument is pretty bulletproof, to tell you the truth, of why I think we need to do these things.
1: Amen. Well, how can people reach out to you?
0: My website is Ready Made Resources, all one word, Ready Made Resources, standard spelling, readymaderesources.com. and we have an eight hundred number, which is 800-627-3809. Um, two seven three eight zero nine. I'm glad to talk to people. Just You know, you don't feel like you have to buy something if you call and have a question. I'm glad to talk with you about your question. That's how they can reach me. Again, that's 800-627-3809 and readymaderesources.com.
1: Well, with that, Robert, thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, doing your best to uh, educate people. Um, You know, I would
0: say this. Pray. You know, ask the Lord. Dig into the scripture and see what you should do. But I will say this, I'll leave it with this, what I said before, faith builds arcs. Faith builds silos. Faith doesn't still and do nothing.
1: Amen. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on the show.
0: You're welcome. You've been listening to the Unresolved Life Podcast. To catch all our past shows, go to unresolved.life. That's unresolved.life.